that's now my motto. Uh, don't ever say no to yourself. Let somebody else tell you no. It's not your job to reject yourself. Hi friends and welcome back to 9to5 with Avi and Anita. You've just heard from Ika Naran Mudza who is a communications specialist by day and she's got 15 years experience in creating tailored content and working across all kinds of industries including oil and gas, publishing, the international humanitarian sector and even accountancy. But by night friends, she is a fiction writer. I'm going to hear a bit more about this. We've got some questions on that for her today but she's been published internationally in several pro and semi-pro rated markets. On top of all of this, when she's not working, when she's not writing, she's actually doing um, sculpting in clay art. Our little minds are brimming with cues for Ika and how she manages all of this and what her creative process is. So why don't we jump straight in and welcome Ika to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Anita. This is um, quite exciting. I'm so happy to connect with you again. We're super excited. And so let's jump straight into the questions and ask, did you plan to be here? Was this intentional or accidental? I got here is completely accidental. So I've been poached ever since I finished my diploma before I got my final results. There was always a company looking for someone and I happened to fit the bill. And I guess I've just been flowing, going with the flow and seeing where the next industry would take me. There was never a set point in my mind that I wanted to be in a certain or particular industry until much later in my career. So yeah, it's all accidental. And can you tell us a little bit about um, what it is you studied and you set out to do, I guess, um, so we got a bit of a sense of where that journey was going to go before it veered off? I was doing communications, a diploma in mass, mass communications, And I think the one thing that was the constant was that I always knew I wanted to be a fiction writer. So that was something that was going to be something I pursued and ended up being something I'm pursuing uh, in my life. And um, But there's always the caveat of, you know, writing fiction doesn't necessarily put food on the table. And it's it's not, uh, it's, it's, kind of impossible to get that luck where you become JK Rowling immediately. Some people take 20, 30 years to strike gold in this industry. And uh, that's when I started uh, going into script writing and into um, the, the first big real job was as a management trainee in a, um, what's it called? In, in a media agency. So they are the local TV stations uh, and I learned a lot. Of, about business development, about communications, about marketing. And from then on, it was always, um, I, I think I didn't put a lot of thought about what I wanted to be when I was younger. So it was always, if it was a better job and it gave me a slightly better pay, maybe I should jump and go with it. There was no thought <laughs> behind it. It was mostly, let's see how this goes. And especially if it's a company that's well-known, um, it was something that I would immediately jump in. Jump in on without actually thinking, is this something that I want to make my career for the next uh, five years, 10 years, and what have you? And um, I think the longest uh, organization that I stayed with is actually the Red Cross. And that was when things really started to change about how I look at myself and my roles and the career and where I wanted to go moving forward. Can you tell us a little bit more about that change and and what that meant for you and then how you decided actually to leave the Red Cross for your current role? Um, The change was 
working with local communities and actually going to disaster zones and speaking to uh, people on the ground, the connection that we have as communicators with people who are affected by certain disaster, I, I've never felt that kind of connection before anywhere in, in any of my workplace. And just the feeling of this work is quite important or what I do could actually affect something and someone down the road somehow. Um, it was it was really wholesome. I was I was working uh, weekends and I loved it. I really loved the job. I didn't mind working weekends, working nights. I was constantly busy. Um, but it, it came to the point in my career where I couldn't develop the skills that I wanted and I had to leave in order to develop my skills elsewhere. And it wasn't it wasn't a calculated move at that point also. It was, again, maybe I should jump and see what happens uh, from here. And I always knew that I was going to be uh, temporary where I, I currently was. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I could put a little mi- bit more thought about going into my career moving forward. And I think I am. I, this time, I, I'm a little bit more, okay, this is what I really want to do. These are the skills that I really want to develop. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is you've loved so far in your career? Oh, um, the the how the creativity that I have outside can be pulled inside my day job as well. So you're required to be creative in your in your organization um, in completely different ways, and it's quite challenging. And I love that challenge. So my current workplace is with the accountancy um, profession, at least for the next month. Uh, with them and it's it, it's a challenge how do you turn a topic that is dry into a topic that is interesting how do you actually draw the attention of people how do you boost up the social media and I'm quite uh, happy to say that we've actually boosted the social media engagement since I got in and we started to um, tweet differently we started to post things differently so it felt like um, it's nice to be able to bring those two disciplines together so something that is um, dry but equally important or with creativity and I also like that there's so many things that you can do um, as, as a communications person there's no limit you can learn there's so many uh, areas that you can learn you can learn writing you can learn social media design skills video skills and uh, that's actually one of the things that have made um, have made the job quite important also because um I've always struggled between wanting to be a generalist and a specialist and realizing that you have more worth as a generalist in this industry is one of the reasons why I'm choosing this career path that I'm choosing right now. Can I go back a bit and just follow up? Did you say for the next month? (gasps) Yes. What's coming next? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I got, I've, I've been called by headhunters this past few months, especially um, since December. The headhunters have just been going all out and there were a lot of positions open, but there was a particular role for a giant tech industry that I, that really caught my eye. And uh, looking at the kind of work uh, and, and the job description, I felt that, okay, this would be a really good thing for me to jump into, for me to learn in order to arm me for my next phase or wh- whatever that is. So, yep, I only have, yeah, one month left in my current organization. So we're catching you on the cusp of a big change. Very, yes. <laughs> and I'm completely nervous because this position is a little bit higher than what I'm doing. So, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be the t- determining factor on whether I continue down this path or I do something else. 
How did you assess, Ika, that this was, these were the skills that you were looking to develop and then this new employer was going to be the place where you would be able to develop them? Um, I realized that in my current uh, organization, I wasn't getting th- that particular uh, uh, strategic kind of um, communications management. So this new organization actually works, uh, focuses mainly on internal communications. And they're saying that they need somebody who will be able to uh, communicate with the higher ups and also communicate with the people at the bottom, the labor workers. And I felt that, oh, um, during the, the interviews as well, they were talking a lot about, can you communicate with people who, are, who don't necessarily have a mobile phone, people who don't necessarily understand English and uh, things like that. And I felt, Oh, this is something that was quite somewhat similar to what I was doing in the Red Cross also. When we go out to communities, they don't necessarily uh, speak the language or they don't necessarily have mobile phones. And also that sense of um, the sense of freedom in that role, because it, from the job description, they're saying that you will be managing all these things. Um, you're basically the specialist. You are the expert in that particular role. And I felt, okay, I feel that I'm ready to, to settle that kind of responsibility and excited to see where that would take me. Exciting. In terms of this, uh, the new, taking on that autonomy, is that something that you've, you've obviously enjoyed that throughout your career? Uh, how are you going to make that transition? How are you feeling about moving into more of a management gig? Um, honestly, a little t- again, a little bit scared <laughs> because I've never been in that position before, but also curious. And I'm always uh, curious to see if this is if I'm ready for it and realizing that how, if I wait, if I stayed, I'm never going to know. So the only way to find out if I can do this uh, is to actually just go for it and realizing that I do have those skills that they were looking for. And even during the interview, when they were uh, uh, when they were the hiring managers were talking about it, I realized that I tick all the boxes that they are looking for. And what they offer is something that I feel they, they are ticking the boxes that I'm looking for. So this is also another shift because it's no longer oh, you know, um, they must want me, they must take me. I had to ask myself, do I want to work here? Do I want to be part of this industry? And because it's a giant tech company, it's exciting, it's innovative, I realized that this is what where I want to be for God knows how long. Let's see. <laughs> Ika, before we started rolling, we were talking a little bit about um, when your workplace is like a family and how that can be a bit tricky to navigate. Is that one of the things you've maybe loved a little bit less um, in your career or working, for example, at a humanitarian organisation where people often struggle to separate themselves from their work? How have you managed that uh, over time? Yep. Um, Now, I mean, a lot of people are talking about uh, how, especially the younger people as well. I'm not that young. I'm also but my younger friends they're all saying if an organization says that we're like family here that might be a red flag depending on the situation and I had a very strong uh, familial connection with the Red Cross and I was happy uh, to have that connection but it's it can sometimes um, in other organizations you have to be careful that it might be the deciding factor in a lot of things so you might end up working a lot more just to you know because oh you know this person treats me like family I should be able to work until 10 p.m tonight or you know this person treats me like family if they ask me for a favor I should definitely be able to do that but I realized that no you have to sort of draw you have to draw the line because um, as great as the connection that you get from having like a family relationship with your uh, colleagues 
it can also blur the lines between professionalism so you can can no longer be objective and uh, when making a decision so i i don't have i have had a lot of friends in the red cross and i still do that we uh, we still uh, connect with each other but in the current workplace i was very careful to maintain that professionalism that you know i'm there to work and i'm there to go home i'm not there to really make friends <laughs> it it might sound bad but it's i felt that it was something that needed to be done and is that part that clear boundary is it easier when you have so much going on outside of paid employment in terms of your you know double life as a writer and also a communications professional how do you effectively draw that barrier and maintain those good relationships that you have at work mm. um i think because like, these individuals who i'm close with also they know how important it is for me they also are aware of the side things that i have on the outside so um i normally try not if i can help them i will but if it's to the point where no i can't sacrifice my time writing to help you out i would be very clear with them and saying i have this so uh yeah so so far it hasn't been tricky to the point where it's awkward um it's just that, that guilty feeling oh i wish i could have helped them but no i got to do my clay i got to sculpt something yeah so in terms of you know a work life balance it sounds like you have work and then you have your creative life and then you also have all the other things that happen in a person's life how do you balance all three and how do you carve out room for an artistic practice when you are working in an intense industry and about to go into one that's also notoriously quite intense this is a funny thing because um, what happened during covid was that i realized that i had a lot of time in my hands and i realized that i wasn't as creative or, or i wasn't as engaged in my creative work and it's it's weird because i also um realized that as a person i'm more productive if i was busy so if i was swamped at work if i was uh, working till nights i would have more creative ideas and i would be more excited to do them uh what happened during covid was i had so much time and I, and i didn't do anything and i realized why am i not writing why am i not because the creative part of me that it's not in, it's it's like oh it's okay we'll do it tomorrow or we'll do it next week you know we have all this time in the world and i was telling um my mentor rosemary about this as well um i think i need to be busy and i like routine i i love routine work and i need to be busy in order for my muse to um realize that hey there's this other part of you that we really like too so let's squeeze some time into that and i end up end up uh, end up creating even more things when i'm busy which is which is weird but that's how i function i think that's really true of the covid experience though isn't it everybody said wow we've got all this time at home now and the expectation to be creative to take on a new thing was huge but actually it was more difficult than than we realized having all that time Yeah or maybe we did just need a break. So uh work would give me structure. I would I actually enjoy working the 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 whatever and then waking uh going back home and going into my creative um creative world and just to de-stress. Um the only difference is that now I'm a lot more careful as well not to burn out because it's so easy to get burnt out when you are doing 10 20 different things at the same time. and i can now identify okay i'm nearing the point of burning out let's slow down and not do anything this weekend so there have been weekends where i just binge watch netflix and do absolutely nothing and there's been weeks when i completely immerse myself in my creativity and art and things like that 
Uh, you mentioned earlier your mentor, Rosemary, who is an excellent mentor to have. Um, we want to ask um, how important have champions been in your career? Very, very important. Um, it started out with my mom. My mom was my champion. I, I have to mention her, my late mom. Um, also in fiction writing, I had two champions. Uh, so it was somebody that I reached out to because I loved her work. And because she entertained me, res responded to my email, she connected me with more people who allowed me to be where I am today in the uh, fantasy fiction uh, industry. And I believe that they are they can help make or break you. And a lot of times, um, like with with uh, friends like Rosemary as well, they kind of ground you uh, when a lot of times I, I myself would feel, oh, maybe I'm not worth that. Maybe I'm not worthy for that position. I'm too scared to apply for that job or I'm so confused about this particular task. I don't think I can do it. They help you to shatter the glass ceilings that you put up for yourself. And I've been very fortunate and blessed to have so many of them uh, throughout my life. How do you build up the confidence just to reach out to people? Oh, I think when you were young, I mean, <laughs> I was 17 when I reached out to that uh, first mentor and I was just, I think it was just youthful, um, youthful arrogance in a way because thinking, hey, you wrote a book, I can write a book. And she was like, <laughs> nope, I'll give you eight years. And she said, it'll take eight years for you to publish your first story. And on the eighth year, wow. true enough, I published my first, my first story internationally. Yeah, and she was like, you have skills to develop, you have to learn. And also... Um, I think also being honest with your intentions. I was very honest from the start. Like whenever I have mentors or champions, I'm very honest about what I wanted. And I think they felt, and this is something that I struggle with myself also. A lot of people look at the things that I do and they say, you're so talented, you're so this, you're so that. And a lot of times I feel, really, I am? It's, it's not really imposter syndrome. It's just the sense of um, maybe not, not being where people thought that I am. But it's something that I'm also slowly changing. Um, because I've been hearing it a lot and, <laughs> well, it must be true. <laughs> You're about to pivot into this new industry. Did you have a different way of thinking about negotiating a salary or benefits in this role? Is it something you've done previously linked to that kind of feeling of what you're worth and what you should be getting for your for your labor? Has that changed over time? This was another really big shift because I never negotiated before this. It was always, oh, okay, this is what you're offering. Okay, I'll take it. Um, also, it, it, it also is based on the context of where I am um, in, in Malaysia. And we're not often encouraged to actually negotiate our salaries. We're not, we're not encouraged to think outside the box and realize that our experience is worth something. And actually, this negotiation bit, um, the first time I negotiated was right after I listened to uh, your episode with Victoria Kavanaugh. And she was uh, talking about how uh, you shouldn't feel like it's a favor that somebody is paying you what you're worth. Uh, Rosemary sent me that episode actually and said, listen to this before you go for your, for your job interview. And um, it was the first time I said, you know, I think this is what I'm worth and this is what I'm asking for if, you're, if you want to hire me. I didn't realize that sometimes you just have to ask. <laughs> and I, it was a big lesson for me and it's now my motto. Uh, don't ever say no to yourself. Let somebody else tell you no. It's not your job to reject yourself. So, yeah. So true. I'm so pleased about that. That sounds very affirming. Yeah, but thank you for that episode like really when i heard uh victoria i was like wow okay what what am i doing why am i putting my worth so low and i still get this like even when i'm selling my art and i put a price on it and say okay this is how much it's worth and 
people would say, is this all you're charging? You should be worth more than this. And I'm like, okay, just pay whatever. And they end up tipping me more than the price. It's it's really it really is a learning process because uh, sometimes this whole uh, culture of you have to be humble might not necessarily be a good thing also because that's what we've always been told you have to be humble don't go don't put yourself out there too much don't be too loud don't be this don't be that it's very um, destructive uh, to 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 women in general and with this experience and or with this uh, sudden uh, new job and the salary increase I've started talking to friends and they're realizing that they can do the same thing. And they were initially saying, but I thought it's not good for you to ask too much or I, I thought it's not good for you to actually negotiate and we had no idea. So this is an eye-opener for all of us. That's amazing. So perhaps could we could go the opposite extreme and if we said that if money wasn't an object, if you won the lottery, what would be your next move? What would you do? Um, I've, I've thought about this for many, many years because I do want to be to have financial freedom, freedom someday. And once I do have that, um, if I want a lot, they're great. Um, but I'm working towards actually buying a land somewhere here in the kampongs, in the villages in Malaysia. I set up a tiny house community for myself and my friends and actually set up an animal shelter um, and have a space where uh, uh, people who are creative, writers, sculptors, artists, whoever, they can come and hang out and chill and uh, and actually have cats on their laps or whatever. And, but yeah, I've always um, wanted to work with animals. So that's somewhere 20 years down the road, maybe. If I won the lotto. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it tomorrow if I won the lotto. <laughs> can we come visit? Yes, for sure. It'll be... <laughs> wonderful please book two rooms (laughs) we could share it's still so fun yeah it would be like a nice retreat for people to just de-stress out of the city and just create and chill and if you know let's just speculate that winning the lotto might not happen um and someone came to you and asked you how you make your decisions you know if they're about to figure out the next step in their career what kind of advice would you give to someone who is just trying to figure it all out I would say first, find a weekend or a time where you can be quiet with your thoughts because it's so easy to be influenced with what this person wants, what wants, what that what that person wants, especially if there's somebody a lot younger, they look at their peers and see where their peers are going and and think, oh, that's that must be where I want to go as well, which might not necessarily be true. So having that time to kind of detach yourself from the craziness of work, the craziness of your day-to-day. Um, and just listening to your gut and seeing where where that wants to, or that where that is going. And for me, again, it was that constant of okay. At the end of the day, I just want to retire, have this ranch, uh, animal rescue place, and write and create. That's all. That's all I want to do. Uh, it might happen ten years from now. Might happen twenty years from now. Who knows? But that's um, that's the only thing that has been constant throughout all the changes in my life for the past fifteen years. So I would say find that one voice in your head that keeps on repeating that particular thing that that resonates with you. The North Star. Mm-hmm. Ika, we have to move now into the lightning round. Have to. We absolutely have to. <laughs> we have no choice. <laughs> so <laughs> what would be your last meal? Oh, oh my mom's risolas. Mm. I'm going to cry because I miss her. Yeah, my mom's risolas. Yeah, Love it. without a doubt, it's it's a very Indonesian dish. Um, my mom was half Indonesian Dutch, and it's crepes 
and you put some minced beef, potatoes, cook it all together, and you roll it up in the crepes, and then you deep fry it with uh, with um, breadcrumbs. So it's crunchy on the outside and yeah, and soft and oh, savory on the inside. It's delicious. Yeah. I would love to have that. I, I can make it, but I don't make it as nice as she does. Sounds very, very delicious. I'll give you the recipe if you want to. It's quite easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes, please. Share it with our listeners. What are you reading right now? Hmm. What am I not reading? I have five different books. <laughs> I'm, li- <laughs> I'm listening to two audiobooks at the moment. Um, one is, uh, no, three audiobooks. I, I, and then I have two on my desk somewhere. Yeah, um, but it's all fantasy and science fiction because I'm now that I'm going back into writing. I'm I'm doing writing. I'm reading a lot from, um, from different authors also. Follow up question: Who's your favorite fantasy author? Ah, uh, that's not a fair question. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> or what have you really enjoyed reading in that space recently? Ah. Uh, uh, I, I would say Joe Abercrombie is still my favorite. He's not the favorite of a lot of people because his writing is very raw and vulgar and rough. And But he is the the simplified version of George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin would go explain every single thing in the book and it's too long. Joe Abercrombie just gets straight to the point and it's like, what? Yeah, uh, it catches me off guard all the time. But yeah, for now, it's still Joe Abercrombie. Nice. What are you listening to outside of audiobooks? Um, I listen to a lot of lo-fi music to chill. So I listen to your podcast now. <laughs> That's another, <laughs> another thing. And sometimes classical music, sometimes game music, because I'm also quite a gamer. When I'm bored, I would pay, play uh, games as well. So it's, it's a whole mesh of things and depends on the mood also. And what are you watching? I just finished watching Bojack Horseman on Netflix. Mm. I didn't realize I would enjoy it. It's so strange. Um, but the whole storyline and the character progression really got to me. I was like, oh, he's, he remains a, a bad person right until the end when you kind of <laughs> thought that he would change. Yeah, so Zero redemption. Zero redemption. And it was something I, I felt so unsatisfied because I wanted him to be a good person, but he wasn't in the end. But yeah. So that's, I'm waiting for season six or season seven. When he remains bad. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, yeah. <laughs> what is it that you do to unwind? I go to the gym. Um, I work out four times, three or four times a week. So um, whenever I'm stressed out, I'll just call my coach um, and say, I need a session today. And she said, okay, come. So I actually had a session before we did, a sh- we, we did this show. So I'm, I'm either at the gym or sometimes I, I write and that's always my go-to. And Or if I'm in the mood, I would sculpt something and create something and make things with my hands. I think it's, it's such a good balance to work with your hands rather than staring at the computer screen all day because that's what I, I realized we've been doing so much of that. We, don't re- we forget that we have other skills that we can tap into. Well, Ika, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for taking us through your career. Yeah. Thank you. Thank- Genuinely inspiring, honestly. I just feel like I should go and do something with my hands. Thank you, listeners, also for joining. We love to give feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out. Let us know if uh, you have any recommendations on who you'd like to hear from on the show. And, of course... Do jump on to where you listen and give us a rating so that we can um, share it with more people 
who might benefit from these fantastic conversations. <laughs>